I didn't have any connections to the industry. It felt like something that was insurmountable. Like it felt like I couldn't ever get there because I wasn't already connected to it or tied to it in any way. Everybody meet Kayla Bree Curtis Evans. She is the creative editor of Hypebeast, a freelance writer, a freelance creative producer, a confident as fuck fashionista, the sweetest, talented, and hardworking gem of a human, and my grand little from the University of California, Santa Barbara, where we went to college together. She's based in New York, and I am so freaking excited for you to meet her. Kayla, welcome again. Thank you. I love the intro. And it's just so funny, like even hearing you say like our origin story. It's so crazy that, (laughs) you know, that was like, feels like forever ago, but it also doesn't at all. (laughs) It feels like so long ago, like so long ago. And it's I feel weird like saying it because sometimes I'm just like, you're my friend. And like with anybody else, like with I moved to San Francisco to be with like my friends and like a lot of the people that I that we went to school with in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. But it's like so funny when people are like, how'd you meet? And I'm just like, oh, we went to college together. But like when people are like, yeah, we were in the same sorority. We're like sisters. (laughs) It's just so (laughs) funny. You know, it's just, yeah, it's crazy that, and I I love it though, because I feel like there's so many, you know, like formative relationships that came from that. I'm happy that like a lot of us are still in touch. Yes. And like, I love that you were part of my lineage because I mean, I feel like we would be so disconnected from like all the events and stuff like that. Like, I feel like if we met outside, like we would be friends, but like, I don't think we would have like really crossed paths. So I am super grateful for that. Okay. So I love to start off the episode with three things that I'm grateful for. And I'd love to take turns just because this podcast is all about feelings and like self-love and just like embracing who you are and you can't feel grateful and sad or whatever fearful at the same time so I love to just start off with gratitude so what's something that you're grateful for I'm grateful to be talking to you because I haven't spoken to you for a little bit and (laughs) um yeah I'm just happy that you asked me to come on Yay! I know. That's literally one of my things too. I haven't talked to you in so long and I'm just so inspired by you. Always have been. I'm like, you're just like my little... Well, okay. You were my grand a little in college. And you've always been so into like writing and fashion and all the things. Like you've always just like done the things that have been special to you and so to see where you are now is just so inspiring and it makes me so happy which we'll get into okay what's your second thing my second thing is well I I had my little trip the other day so yeah I'm grateful to be able to travel I'm hoping to do a little more traveling this summer yay any fun trips that you're like really excited about in about two weeks, Grant and I are going to go to the beach. Um, his family goes to Cape May in New Jersey, which is just like a nice change of scenery from the city. So I'm excited for that because when it gets really hot here, you kind of want to get a little break. <laughs> yeah, you're like, but where do I go? Also, Grant's her boyfriend, which we'll talk yes. about a little bit later. Do you guys have pools in New York? Like, is that a thing? Yeah. 
there's kind of like not really like I feel okay. like there's a lot of like bars with like a rooftop pool yeah. but they're there for like aesthetic yeah purposes. like no one's going in it like that's weird no. <laughs> <laughs> got it okay so you you have to travel if you're trying to get somewhere um, yeah I'm excited because I or I'm grateful that I have some really cool opportunities coming up. I have an audition later today for a yoga gig. So I and I've been seeing like angel numbers so much every time I've gone there and stuff. And so I feel really good about it. I like have fully prepared, but it just feels exciting to have opportunities like come your way and be excited about it. So exciting. And I so like I feel like that type of thing is so perfect for you yeah I just I feel like you've always been very zen so I see that (laughs) it's surprising that I didn't do it in college right Mm -hmm. I remember so Aria who was my roommate at the time my junior year and Jackie so one of my best friends she would both go to yoga all the time and I remember like going to a class with them and they took me to a hard one, though. It was, like, my first one ever. So I came out of it, and I was like, I don't like yoga. Like, this is not <laughs> it. And it's so funny, like, where I am now. <laughs> yeah, I love it, though. I feel like it's, yeah, it's perfect for you. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> okay, last thing. Yes, my last thing. Um, I've had a busy past few weeks. So last night, well, this morning, I got some extra sleep. I'm grateful for that because... I I need to get my rest, you know, a lot of what I do in my job is very social. So I'm grateful to have like downtime as well. Yes. Would you say you're more of an introvert, extrovert or ambivert? Mm, probably an ambivert, but okay. that's always been a hard question for me to answer because I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm just a little bit of both. But I always say like, I can be super extroverted. It just like it has that battery that once it's run out, like I need to recharge it. Totally. So yeah. I need that that downtime is important to me so important I feel like even really extroverted people like they also it's not like they can try to talk like all the all the time you know like I feel like everyone's kind of like on the spectrum exactly it's draining to you know kind of always be on the go and you know this is it's New York is always going so it's have moments where you're like okay like I get to rest and just recharge I love that my third thing that I'm grateful for is therapy I feel like I talk about it so much but like I love my therapist and I was talking about this with Jackie last night it's interesting because with this specific therapist like I've been through so many we come up with affirmations like we'll kind of like talk about something in my life and we're like okay how can we like put a good like affirmation towards this or something like that and I realized like those just like really helped me because it becomes like a mindset almost for me totally and it's like a concrete thing that you can work from I love yeah exactly exactly love okay how are you feeling right this instant I feel good. I like I said, I think the past few weeks, I I was just really tired. I'm very, I think when I first moved here, I just kind of wanted to meet so many people and do so many things and take opportunities. So I and, and I'm, you know, it's great to like have those opportunities come your way. But I think I've gotten a little bit better at taking time for myself. So hoping that this summer, like I have time to relax more. And yeah, if you asked me that question like a week ago, I would have been like, I'm exhausted. But (laughs) today, yeah, I I had that downtime. I feel good. I feel energized. She got her rest. She got her sleep. We're feeling good. How often do you work? I feel like you're constantly doing stuff all the time. 
Yeah. So I kind of have a very flexible schedule, which I think is really, that's something that's really important to me because I like to kind of work on a bunch of different projects at once. So yeah, basically like my my full-time job is, you know, a a regular like nine to six every day and I work remotely. So it's nice that that's where that flexibility comes in. And a lot of my work is deadlines. So it's all, you know, like I know I have to finish this by this time and all the in between if I have extra time to do other stuff it kind of it works out in that way and then yeah just between my full-time job I do freelance work as well so that's kind of just filled in when I have time or if I come up with an idea I'll find some time to like pencil that in and so it's it's both at the same time but I and there are times where I'm like doing projects on the weekend but I try to save that because that's my recharge time (laughs) it's a balance it's a balance Got it. And I feel like when you recharge, you can actually get more done rather than trying yeah. to just like stick in all these projects in your downtime. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, feel happy about it. You know, I don't want to go into projects being exhausted and and not feeling like excited about it. So sure. you're right. You can, it's like a mindset shift when you feel like prepared and, and rested and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm feeling well, before we started talking, I was feeling hungover <laughs> from yesterday. But all of a sudden, I feel like once I'm like talking and connecting with people, I like forget about that. So I'm I'm feeling good. I feel very just like energized and hopeful, honestly, being able to one have that opportunity later today and using this podcast and platform to be able to talk to people that I love and I'm inspired by and also just get to like dive deep in the things that are really interesting to me and will help other people as well. Yeah. What's something that you are loving or into right now? Hmm. I okay so all through college pretty much I wasn't really like a very active person I played a sport growing up like all I played lacrosse um 10 years and I was okay at it I wasn't (laughs) I wasn't like you know I wasn't very competitive and I knew it wasn't something I was going to continue to do in college so it was something that like definitely gave me a routine and sort of like a discipline growing up but after I kind of stopped playing team sports, I I wasn't really super active. I just, it wasn't like a priority for me. Although I love, you know, I love like running and and doing yoga classes and things like that, but it just wasn't a part of my routine. Since moving here, I think it's important to have like those little pockets of things that you do again, that kind (laughs) of take you away from like your everyday work. So I've been doing Pilates and I actually love it. And it's cool to like be getting, you know, into a fitness routine again, something I haven't really done for a while. Yeah, I just feel really good after I do it. So I've been enjoying that a lot. That's awesome. Do you do the reformer machine or the map Pilates? Okay. The reformer, I love it. I love it. It's so humbling at first, but it's I so know. good. Because it's so much core. It really is. No core. (laughs) I'm still new to it. So same. Like I don't have all of those like areas already developed, but I think it's really fulfilling because after you leave, you like really feel it, you know, like, and you feel it everywhere. So you're like shaking as you're walking out, but like in the best way. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's important for me because like, I don't need to see results. You know, I don't have like a goal in mind. It's more kind of like a mental well-being thing that I, that I want to get out of it, but it's cool to leave. Even and actually feel like the soreness and be like, okay, this is like producing results. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it can get it can get really toxic if you're like just doing workouts 
to look a certain way or achieve yeah. certain results. It's not bad to have goals, obviously, but I think the way that you're doing it and really just focusing on how it makes you feel after and focusing on those endorphins is so good for your like mental well-being because everyone's bodies are so different like if I wanted to look a certain way like sometimes I just wouldn't be able to and if we're focusing on like external results like that it just can get rough if yeah totally I think that that's kind of my approach to it like if the external stuff comes then awesome yeah (laughs) it's more so yeah I just feel like at peace and it's like one of the only times I do some yoga classes as well but I feel like those are the only times where like I'm just thinking about that and that's yeah you're like working so hard you can't really think about other things I'm also glad that you brought that up because what I was gonna say is reconnecting with my people again and like focusing on my relationships in my life and The reason why I'm glad that you brought up exercising and like focusing on your body is because I had a friend who was telling me about Stutz, the documentary Mm -hmm. with Jonah Hill and his psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. Or heard of it? I haven't seen it, but I've seen it online. Like I've I've seen conversations about it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen the full thing, but there's this one part where he talks about like if you're ever feeling stuck in your life or like in any part of your life. And I've just been feeling like that like career wise, he shows like a pyramid and the bottom is like focus on your body, move every day for like at least 30 minutes, you know, get the endorphins going. And then the second tier is relationships. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really focusing back on I'm kind of like going through like an ending of a romantic relationship. And so I am focused and I also realized that like I used to be like when I get in a relationship like I don't want to be that one person that's always with that person but I feel myself getting so attached like when I do enter one that it I don't know it's not the best so I'm focusing on just my other relationships again and reconnecting yeah. people. So that's the second tier. And then the third one is like the relationship with yourself. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of like really worked on that. But yeah, so I'm really focusing on the second tier. I'm super into it right now. I love that. And I totally agree. I was going to say just then you you talked about how it all leads up to like the relationship with the self. And I was going to say like, yeah, it sounds like those are foundational steps to kind of like coming to that point where you where you reach a little more clarity within. So yeah, I think it's all really important to kind of focus on those things. And like, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be all at once either. Um, totally. Those things like step by step. Yeah. One day at a time. We can't get everything done at the same time. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you said that. Yeah. Even though I'm very much, I'm an impatient person. <laughs> so I often want everything to happen at the same time. <laughs> Literally same. I'm like how I'm like working on all these things at once. And I'm like, why aren't we getting results? I'm like, maybe because I'm like trying to, I'm like so many things like are going on at the same time. But, yeah. I'm yeah. the same way. We have that in common. <laughs> yeah. As a creative editor and a creative producer, like what, just very small snippet, like what are you, what is that? Yeah, yeah, I can kind of get into that. So my position specifically at Hypebeast, I work within the branded content team, but creatively executing articles, certain videos, campaigns. Sometimes we do event executions with certain brands and we come up with talent suggestions. So it's really cool because it's a really, I mean, first of all, it's just built this amazing network of I get to work with other producers. I get to work with photographers and stylists and just so many people who are so good and talented in what they do. So that's one of my favorite parts 
is just meeting people. As far as creative producing, that kind of ties more in with my freelance work, but that can be anything from writing again to um, I've kind of executed some photo shoots to go along with articles that I've written before. And it's all stuff that I'm still like growing in and learning in. And I feel like being able to do it here in New York is amazing because there's just so much opportunity here. And I, I think that half of the things that I've achieved at this point wouldn't have happened without me being here. So I'm grateful for this place and for people who are like-minded and and just, you know, come from that creative background as well, because I think having that support around you makes you feel like you can excel in it. But yeah, day to day is a lot of writing, interviewing people, photo shoots, and then sometimes event executions as well. Wow. Okay. So you do kind of like a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Do a lot. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? Like I know you're surrounded with people who are like minded. And I think that is so amazing because that quote of like you are like the people that you surround yourself the most with is so true. But yeah, do you get imposter syndrome? And then how do you handle that if you're trying something new? Yeah, I totally do all the time, like every day, honestly. (laughs) I mean, it's hard because I feel like I loved our college experience. I love where we went to school. I wouldn't have changed a single thing. But and I don't know if it's a product of, you know, UC Santa Barbara. I think a lot of schools don't really, you know, unless you go to a creative university or, or an arts university, they don't lay out a path for you to pursue creative occupations. It's not like the traditional path that a lot of people take. So I think that was the first thing that was really difficult for me was feeling like I don't have any connections to I mean I do now but when I when I wasn't working in this you know I don't have any I didn't have any connections to the industry it felt like something that was insurmountable like it felt like I couldn't ever get there because I wasn't already connected to it or tied to it in any way. I didn't grow up in a city. I didn't grow up in a place that a lot of people go off and do things like this. I grew up in a really suburban area where everyone kind of, you know, it's very assimilated. Everyone kind of does the same thing. And I have always known I wanted to do something creative, but it was a matter of like, yeah, is that is that a possibility for me? So with, you know, all the things that have happened in the past few years and the things I've been able to accomplish, it's sometimes weird to like sit down and then be like, okay, I am doing it now. And I think, yeah, I think that's like an everyday thing. Like sometimes I'll just be sitting writing something and, or having a really good conversation with, with a creator designer here. And it's like, wow, I get to do this. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. And another aspect of it is it's great to be surrounded by like-minded people, but it's also, it can be difficult because a lot of people who live here and are around my age and do the same thing are so good at what they do as well. And I think a lot of creative industries, especially within fashion, it kind of brings about this air of like comparison. It's kind of hard to not compare yourself to other people and to see like, well, I have these milestones, but this person has all of these ones. And that's something I'm, I'm in an ongoing process of trying to better myself about that, because I feel like the more I get bogged down in that, the less I'm focusing on what I'm actually doing and excelling in what I'm doing. But it's hard. And I think the imposter syndrome goes hand in hand with that because sometimes I see other people and it's like, you know, I'll think maybe they're doing what I'm doing, but they're doing it better. And it's something that I'm trying to shed because I think that, yeah, I'm just grateful to be doing what I'm doing. I think I also have to like back myself and like remember that like I did the work as well to get here. But it's definitely, yeah, especially in in, in what we do, I think it's, it's a difficult thing to combat. And I think it'll always be something that I'm kind of, that's kind of in the back of my mind just because 
it's something that I always wanted to do, but I, I never thought, I, I honestly didn't think that it, it would pan out in the way that it has. So um, yeah, definitely go through that. And I know so many other people in creative industries go through it as well. And I think it's something that we all collectively need to remind ourselves, like the work that we did to get to where we are. Totally. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, first, I'm so glad that you brought up that you didn't have any connections and like you didn't grow up in a place where it was easy for you to get your foot in the door because I think so many people can get bogged down by that experience even myself sometimes I'm like oh I see all these people that are really successful and I'm like oh they probably had some sort of like in and so Mm I just want to take a moment and sit with that because that is really inspiring. And I want to get into that in a sec, but kind of going back to the original question of imposter syndrome, I think sometimes it's so it's so much easier said than done, but it's like just because somebody else is doing so great, that doesn't mean that like you're also not doing great. That's totally like a reminder that I constantly need to like remind myself. So what has helped so far, I guess, like with your imposter syndrome? And I think a lot of it is about being present because I think I'm I'm a person who like my entire life I've always been such a planner and like living here and doing what I do and just you know like I said it's such a busy kind of lifestyle even if I wasn't working in fashion I think just living here I would have yeah. I would have a busy lifestyle because it's just the way that the city is but and I enjoy that I'm very much a person who enjoys like you know I'm easily bored I like to have a lot of things going on but yeah I'm easily I, I love to have a lot of different things going on so I enjoy that fast-paced lifestyle but I definitely think that being present is really important because I think in the past I would always be focused on the next step and I couldn't enjoy what I was actually doing in the moment or take in accomplishments that was really hard for me when I first moved here I felt like a lot of things happen really fast and every time something new happened I would internally take that in and I would be like okay that's really cool but because this happened I know that I can do better so I would always be thinking about the next thing which is you know it's an optimistic mindset to have but it also is it's exhausting like I couldn't sit in the things that I had already accomplished and just be proud of them because I was too focused on what would come after that and I think being present is really important when it comes to imposter syndrome because it allows you to like soak in all the things you've achieved and once you can kind of like revel in that you realize like wow I'm really supposed to be here on this path doing what I'm doing and whatever comes will be meant for me because so far it all led up to what's been happening anyway so I feel like having faith in like things taking their course is important being present is important especially for me because like I said I'm a very impatient person and I want a lot of things to happen when I want them to happen but I think the moments where I've sat back and let things happen are where I allow myself to be more proud of myself because I'm not so focused on the next step I'm actually you know letting myself celebrate my wins instead of wanting to think about the next one that's amazing yeah I'm honestly kind of going through the same thing of feeling like I'm constantly looking for the next thing and it's sometimes so wild if we take a step back to think about it because it's like well at one point we wanted to be here at like one point this was literally your dream and you had no idea how you were gonna get there and you're living it now and so I'm glad that you're learning to be present because you're doing it like you're you're doing it so I love that answer going back to what you were saying about how you didn't have any connections mm-hmm. I listened to the fashion collective podcast interview that you were on it was so good and you share the same thing and you share about how it was difficult for you to get your foot in the door but you talk about how you did it and there were two things one was niching down and for that for you was 
um, talking about like sustainability and fashion, which at the time was growing, but it wasn't like a huge thing yet. And then you also talk about cold reaching out to people. Those are the two things that got your foot in the door. Yes. Yeah, totally. Who changed the game for you? Like, who did you reach out to? Like, what was that process like? If you could share a little bit more about that. Yeah, I totally can. There's someone specifically that always comes to mind when I think about like a formative relationship that I made and just in relation to this industry. I mean, well, in a, in a broader scope, there's so many people that I've reached out to and spoken to, whether it was a five minute conversation or, you know, just a quick networking call. But I definitely was very good at kind of sleuthing out people who had careers that I was interested in. And, you know, on LinkedIn through Instagram. And it was really, really great to just have people take the time to speak to me. Like I said, even if it was just a quick call. So yeah, so many, so many different people in that way just were a part of that journey for me. But there's one specific person who was such a mentor and now just a really close friend of mine. But um, when I was in school, it was my senior year. It was the end of my senior year or like the latter half of my senior year. And I was applying to some editorial internships based out of New York, because I think I had an inkling by then that I wanted to move here. So I was kind of trying to like set up some roots and just get to know people, even if just virtually who already lived here. Definitely made moving here once I did make my way here a lot easier because I had at least a few people that were a part of this community that I ended up meeting in person. And it was it was really amazing to kind of like meet virtual friends in person. But um, there was someone, yeah, this this person who acted as a mentor for me was kind of my kind of had a leadership position when I took on that internship. So they were overseeing all of the interns, basically. And this person's name is Tiana. And they are just such a passionate creator, first of all. And they also are really great at advocating for people who I feel like don't always get that uplifting in this industry. And that was something that I think immediately impacted me. A lot of my work now, I try to speak to people or champion certain creators who don't always get that visibility. And I think Tiana taught me that. I think it's really important to put people on who are doing that work who really deserve the credit. And I also think that Tiana gave me that opportunity. So it's something that like I always think about and I always attribute to like a lot of the things that have happened. I feel like I learned how to be a better writer from them. I learned how to be just like a more confident communicator because I feel like that was the first time I was sitting in meetings, throwing out pitches and throwing out my own story ideas. And it was scary for me. I honestly hated talking to new people before I started doing it as a career. Wow. <laughs> so, um, I didn't hate it because I didn't like it. I hated it because it made me really nervous. It made me really anxious. And I just felt like I, I felt like I feel like I used to be a lot of a shyer person. Whereas now I, I definitely have opened up a lot more. And I, I love talking to new people. And I think it's something I learned from them. I think that Tiana is such an open communicator. And just kind of taking a page out of their book definitely brought me to where I am now. So that's someone that is very near and dear to me that I always think about when I think about yeah just kind of the things that led me to where I am now that like warms my heart that makes me so happy and that they have just inspired you in so many different ways and for you to like follow in their footsteps and you know championing people who aren't as talked about so Mm -hmm. 
I love that. So when you were reaching out to people, what did you say? Like, were you like, Hey, I'd love to just chat or, you know, pick your brain. I hate that. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's always kind of cringe. It's always kind of, (laughs) and you know, you don't want to be that person, you know, but I think it's something it comes along with what I was saying just, just before about just being more comfortable to be open. And like, I think this can be such a hierarchical industry. And there are a lot of people who operate in this really archaic way where you have to go through a lot of obstacles to become successful. And it's not, you know, there are a lot of barriers of entry for so many different people for this industry. And I think that just being open. And so when I reached out to people, I would say, you know, I really admire what you do. And I would love to do something similar. And if you have the time to just chat with me about, you know, your background and how you got here, I would love that. And the worst that can happen is, you know, that person doesn't have time or maybe they don't see your message. But like, I think just even that was like a comfort zone that I had to push myself out of because it felt weird to reach out to people you don't know, you know, but I think this industry will thrive if more people come in with the mindset of wanting to help other people, because there's a lot of people for sure in this industry who don't really operate by that mindset. They operate by the more, like I said, hierarchical mindset where, you know, you've got to pay your dues in order to be successful. And And I think that has a place because there are definitely people who deserve to be revered for their work. You know, there's people who have been in this industry for decades and of course they deserve to be recognized for that. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair for a lot of young people to feel like they don't have a space in this industry just because they're young or just because they're inexperienced. I think giving people the space to flourish in this career or in this industry is really important. So yeah, I was just very open with the people I reached out to and I said, you know, I recently graduated. I really would love to kind of hear the steps that you went through to get to where you are. And it's a very networking based industry. So I think it's important to do those steps in the beginning, because you never know. Also, there are people that I have had those calls with and that I reached out to a long time ago, who now I see all the time, because we just cross paths in our jobs. So because it's such a networking heavy industry, I think it's also important to just kind of like set out those feelers and and try to meet people who, who do what you do and who are on that path. Because I mean, definitely, like I said, where I'm from, not a lot of people take on these types of careers. And even UCSB is a very STEM heavy university. So I didn't feel like I had that community of people who wanted to pursue the same things who I could go to for advice. So you have to look for it, you have to like create it for yourself. And I think that, you know, you have to be willing to kind of like put yourself out there a little bit. Yeah, shoot your shot. Yeah, you kind of talk about you brush on the just in general, how I feel like there was such a huge stereotype of the fashion industry being like so competitive and like cut the row and not welcoming at all but you share a glimpse of with Tiana and I'm sure like the people around you who are collaborative and like want to help other people and give voices to people that aren't normally as heard how would you say like the fashion industry is like right now like percentage wise from like being really competitive to not now I was just having this conversation with someone, actually. I think that I'm new, you know, I'm still learning the ropes and everything, but I definitely think because my viewpoint 
is optimistic. That's why I took on the stance that I have when it comes to all the articles I write and all the people that I speak to. I think that I think there's a lot outside of fashion just in the world to be pessimistic about for sure. And when it comes to fashion, you know, we mentioned how I kind of took that like ethical fashion sustainability angle. And that was important to me because I felt like this is an industry that I'm so passionate about, but I do not stand by a lot of the values that come along with it. And it felt like a catch 22 at first because I was working in this industry that is not very good for the earth at times. And I studied, you know, I come from a background of studying environmental science and being really just really like compassionate about like the way that we treat the place that we live. So it felt weird at first to be a part of an industry that kind of produces results that are not always positive. But my mindset was like, why don't you know, I think we need more people who have that intention to kind of like change it from the inside out. That's kind of like my mindset. I hope that more people come into the industry with these like hopeful mindsets. So just with that being said, I think that you know, there are a lot of people who do come in with that kind of background and mindset, and they approach this industry with a more empathetic approach than a lot of people. It's a hard question to answer because I think that it's an industry that is so based upon, like I said, networking connection based upon (laughs) nepotism, honestly. So it's hard to say that, you know, it's ever going to completely change because it's just kind of the way it is. But I hope to see a lot more people who come in and who have these like hopeful mindsets to kind of change it from the inside out, who want to help the people who come after them. And I would say say right now I see a lot of positive shift but of course you still see a lot of you know like I said a lot of that kind of like archaic operating where you kind of have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to succeed and you know I think that everyone should have to jump through hoops because it's how you can perfect your craft but I don't think that means you have to go through abuse to get there I don't think that's fair I think that a lot of people don't even pursue their goals in creative industries because of a fear of succeeding or a fear of being accepted like we talked about with imposter syndrome so I hope that it's changing I think I see it I think with the people around me like you said I think there's a community of people that are really wanting to help each other out and uplift each other instead of you know just taking advantage of each other or doing whatever you can to get ahead and not helping out the person next to you there's still a lot of both but I think that I'm starting to see positive shifts and a lot of younger people coming in who have these mindsets of kind of wanting to like democratize the space which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I am really glad that you brought that up because, well, you knew this, but I went to Santa Barbara and then I didn't finish. I ended up transferring to fashion school. And Mm -hmm. I just love your journey versus mine because I learned so much about how the fashion industry wasn't kind and it wasn't sustainable. And like, I also was kind of going through a rough time in my life. And so I was like, I don't think I want to go into the fashion industry. And Mm -hmm. so I am just glad that you brought that up because you had the same like values as I did, but you were like, I'm going to go into it and bring this different angle and like try to change it from the inside out. It's a slow process, but like people like you being in there and attracting more people and like wanting to help others, I really do think it will create 
create like a really positive and beautiful shift in the industry. So I hope so. And like, even you bringing up that experience is exactly kind of what I'm referring to. You know, I think so many people have these like passions, but it's not like, it's not that easy with this industry. There's so many unsaid rules, unspoken rules, and I'm still learning them. And I think that it's a shame that sometimes, you know, people are so passionate about things, but there are these other factors that end up getting in the way. It's just kind of how the industry was built. Mm -hmm. I hope that more people have access to these things. For me, it was just like, you know, I'm, I don't, I I don't think I'd be happy doing anything else. So I I really (laughs) hope this works out because the alternative is probably a situation where I'm just not as fulfilled. So yeah, I mean, I definitely had the, the same moments of there are people I've met who didn't have that same mindset as me or just it's still it can be cutthroat for sure I think it's just about finding those pockets of people who make you happy who support you and doing the same for other people if you have the chance to yeah what advice would you give to somebody who is creative and has these like passions but they're not really confident in their work yet yeah that is a good question and a question that I feel like every creative person tries to answer for themselves yeah like I said I just have always had like a passion for self-expression I guess like I think that's the root of it because I love to write but there is always a deeper story there whether it's you know my own story that I'm telling or most of the time it's other people's stories I love telling other people's stories because I think that we have so much to learn from each other and it was difficult for me to be confident in my work when I was first starting out because I didn't have a lot of work to show for myself especially when I was in college that's kind of when I that was the jumping off point I studied abroad and I did an environmental science program in Copenhagen and I loved it there. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world, I think. But and and learning about environmental science there too was so enlightening because there's such a everything there is so well run, so well planned, so clean. They're so environmentally conscious. So that was amazing. But the other thing that I kind of realized while I was there was number one, that I loved living in a city. And number two, I mean people there have like this crazy fashion sense. So I got back and that was kind of when I was like, I think I want to do this for real but the hard part was I had no work to show I was applying for internships or you know just like mentorships and people wanted to see a portfolio and I didn't have a portfolio <laughs> so I I thought to myself okay that's step one like let's just get some written work out there and I had some creative writing that was about it I had you know I studied English at, at UCSB so some of my creative writing classes we had to make portfolios of poems or short stories and that was pretty much all I had so I started there I made a little website and I added those to it. Applying to internships, that was pretty much all I had to share with them. I eventually ended up building a few different editorial internships, but the hardest part was like being comfortable to share my work. I didn't think it was good enough and I didn't think there was enough of it. And I always say this, I've probably said this before. So this is like very much a Kayla quote that I borrowed from someone else, I guess. But one of my professors in college, it just like is such an impactful thing. Like I'm still talking about it like six years after I heard this be said to me, but um, it was one of my English classes. It was an early one. It was maybe like my freshman year, I think, and purely like writing based. So we weren't doing as much reading and like literature analysis. We were doing a lot of writing, creative writing. And I think a lot of people don't enjoy writing because they don't know where to start. 
just in general, whether or not you do it for a career. I think people feel such a pressure when they sit down to write because they they're like, well, I don't know what to say, or I'm not going to say it right. Or I don't know. I don't think I have the right words for this. And even though that was something that I had, I've been writing all my life. And even though it's something I studied, I still had that kind of like limiting belief as well. And one of my professors in the beginning of a class wrote on the board and then did this whole lecture about this topic. But we walked into class and what was written on the board was just writers write. And the the lecture was just about how if you want to be a serious writer, all you have to do is write. Oh. Um, and I think that like stuck with me so much because I think, first of all, I was so focused on having an audience. Like I think that a lot of people think that in order to be a successful writer or on a broader note, like just talking about being a creative person, in order to be a successful creator, you need to have an audience. I don't think that's always true. It's nice to have an audience and it's nice to have people to give you feedback or, you know, praise about your work. But I think that it also can just be for you. And as long as you're creating, then you're a creator. So that is like, I always think about that. Like, I think that there's so much pressure sometimes still for me to sit down. The hardest part is like starting something and just thinking, okay, like, what do I even want to say right now? Or how can I like encapsulate this idea or story in the best way possible? It's a lot of pressure, especially when you're telling someone else's story. Like you want to make sure I meet so many amazing people and I get to speak to them. And then I have to go put all of my thoughts about them into an article that maybe takes up two pages so it's just you know you want to portray them in the most like authentic way possible you want other people to understand that person in the way that you got to understand that person that's a hard thing to do sometimes but I think with any creative occupation you just have to go for it and you have to just everything creative and everything that's not creative takes practice in order to perfect it so you have to start from somewhere Uh, that was so amazing I literally had no idea what you're gonna say but writers write creators I just it's so simple but like sometimes it gets so like what do I do but it's like just do you and I just I love that you're like you don't need an audience to do what you do and I think that those things will come you know in time oh that was amazing I love that Okay, one more question for fashion before we get into relationships. So you're constantly like going to fashion week and fashion shows and you're getting photographed. You're even in Vogue and you're like meeting celebrities and just like big designers that you are so inspired by. Do you put these people on a pedestal? How are you so confident like around them? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that... There are certainly people that if I met, I would freak out. I have like I have a few people that if I was in the same room as them, I would lose my mind and I don't think I'd be able to keep it cool. But yeah, that is a really cool perk of my job and of a lot of creative jobs. It's definitely, you know, an industry where you cross paths with a lot of people that you watch on TV or you see in magazines. And it's crazy because I didn't even know how much access that you really get to that world until I started doing it. And I think that, like I said, a lot of my early interviews were difficult for me because I, I was, I remember the first one I ever did. I was so nervous. And even, it was even with someone that I know, it was one of my, um, actually one of my really good friends from UCSB, her brother is a musician professionally and he's amazing. But since that was just kind of an easy connection, I, he was my first interview. And even though I know him, I was so nervous. I, I just was not used to speaking to someone in that environment yet. So I will say, I think because I have those conversations every week now, Mm. now when I meet people, I kind of just meet them where they are. 
it's really cool to have conversations with people that you have either listened to their music or you've seen them on TV because you have these conversations and like there are so many shared experiences between both of us. They're just people. They're also, you know, most of the people I talk to are also creative people. So we have a lot in common in the sense that, you know, our brains work the same way. We both kind of wanted to pursue something that maybe wasn't traditional from like the the places where we came from. So I think just being able to like sit down and have these really candid conversations with people made me humanize a lot of the people that you, you know, that you may have looked up to or or you see it in uh, tabloids or on TV or in magazines. So I think that's the the thing that kind of like helps me keep my composure is like we're all people and some people just have like really, really cool jobs, <laughs> but they're still people. It is definitely kind of crazy. I think that's where the imposter syndrome comes into where I'm at like a crazy event and there is like a celebrity that I've just loved for my whole life. It's like, what am I doing? Like, why are we in the same room right now? I went to this event in December for Hype Beast. I was covering it and it was Moe, the champagne brand put on a Christmas party. It was fabulous and like super flamboyant and there was champagne everywhere and they had a surprise performance but I kind of knew who the surprise was beforehand because I had to write about it the surprise performer was Mariah Carey and I my mom loves Mariah Carey so I grew up listening to her and that was just crazy like I was five feet away from her singing songs that I used to listen to my mom play in the car yeah that was insane I didn't actually speak to her I maybe would have melted a little bit if I did (laughs) But yeah, I think it's it's a tough thing. I mean, you still those things still hit me where I'm in a room and I'm like, actually, what am I doing here? But I think it's important to yeah, I mean, we we're all people and some like I said, some people just have these really, really sick jobs, but at heart, they're still people and it's really cool to have conversations with them and to hear that we have a lot of things in common, even though our lives are very different. It reminds me of, you know, in the magazines where it would be like stars are just like us, (laughs) (laughs) except they're like like getting gas or whatever groceries but you're so right like I feel like so many of those celebrities were where we were at one point Mm -hmm, totally and no idea how they were gonna get where they were it's true I, I speak to a lot of people who really came from a similar place you know there's a lot of famous people who kind of had a leg up to get where they are but I speak to a lot of people who had that same experience where they were like no I fully had to work really hard I didn't think I was gonna be here either so I think that it's cool to just kind of like level that playing field and speak to a lot of these people as people and to just hear. And that's something I try to do in all of my interviews. You know, I'm if it's a musician, we're going to talk about their music. We're going to talk about their career and how they got there. If it's a designer, same thing. We're going to talk about their collections. But I always try to throw questions in that are just about that person as a person, because I want to understand them as a person outside of their career. I don't think that every creative person needs to be defined by what they do. I think that a lot of us want to be and that's why that ends up happening. Like I would love to be known for my work, but at the same time, like I don't want that to be the only thing people know about me. And I try to convey that in my interviews too, that, you know, these are people with emotions and they've gone through hardships too. And, you know, they have like a number one hit song on the radio, but they also are going through like all the same things that we are and maybe they don't get to talk about that as much so I think showing that side of people is also really important I love that that's amazing I think so too I think that kind of helps people feel more connected to artists and like people that they look up to too totally yeah do you get nervous when you're photographed 
Yes. <laughs> I so I actually I don't know what it is. I'm a lot more comfortable being photographed than I am like on video. A lot of my interviews are done like I said in person or we'll do them on Zoom, but I'll just extract the audio. So I don't really do like on-air interviews or like live you know, I'm not being filmed. Maybe one day, because like I said, I used to hate even just interviewing people because yeah. it made me. So maybe if I ever got, I think it's just because I don't really, I don't get the opportunity to be like filmed on camera. So I think it's just like anything. If I, you know, if I got pushed into that, out of that comfort zone and started doing it more, maybe I would end up loving it. Yeah. Being photographed is, I'm a little more comfortable with that. I think that especially during like fashion week, it's kind of like a little game. It's become a little game for me because I didn't realize, you know, the politics of all of these things and how they work. But basically during fashion week, photographers from major publications, but also just like freelance photographers who want to just like build up their portfolios and take photos of people will show up to where they know shows are happening around the city because these schedules are, are public, like you can find it online. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll show up to the venues and kind of wait outside because you never know who's showing up like there will be shows with um you know like a-list people showing up and doing a little walk through the front door yeah. so you get a shot of them they're always waiting for that but they also just photograph all the people who attend whether it's editors like me or other stylists or all the people who go to the shows usually pull out some crazy really cool outfits so they're usually just waiting for like something to catch their eye and um yeah it became a little game for me once I found out that that was a thing my past fashion week I think I definitely wore some outfits that were more they're so me but I don't think I would have worn things like that even just a few years ago because I wasn't as like comfortable with it but especially in New York I mean like everyone is so expressive and I love that about it here and it being surrounded by that pushes you to kind of like get yourself into that zone of being more comfortable to do the same thing so anyway this past fashion week this past February I wore a lot of outfits that were like a little more like conceptual and just stuff that I don't think I would have worn in the past and it was kind of a game of like all right let's see if this outfit gets caught by someone so yeah it was really cool even the Vogue photos were I had one last season and then and then another one this past season I didn't know that either of those were taken of me. So that's the fun part. It's like you go and you go to your shows. And then I was kind of, I was looking through the Vogue street style just to see what was on there. And then I just saw myself and I was like, what? I I literally did not know that (laughs) that even happened. And then it happened again this past season. That one was even more of a shocker because I I know that what the photographer looks like who makes those photo pieces. And um, I didn't see him at all when it happened this past year. So he was really sneaky this time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like that must be so fun for you to like come up with fun outfits. Yeah, that is something that I've definitely gotten more. Yeah, just more comfortable with, like I said, and it's really fun. I think, like you said, I've always kind of been interested in fashion, even at school. It was something that I like loved to kind of play around with, but I don't think I, well, first of all, I just don't think I had a super like individualized sense of style in the past. I think I'm still learning that. I'm still finding out things that I like on myself and things that I don't. I have been, you know, Hypebeast is both a men's and a women's platform, but it started off as a men's platform. So I get exposed to a lot more like men's street style by working there. So I've kind of been experimenting with like 
wearing men's clothes, which is a little hard for me because I'm very small. So small. <laughs> but, um, just like, yeah, it's really cool to be able to be in a place where people are so expressive and really care about what they wear. I don't think that, you know, everyone has to make that a priority. But for me, it's about like the same reason why I love doing what I do for my job. It's because it's another way for me to like channel who I am. And I think that it's just a really cool way to show people like kind of what your personality and what your vibe is like through your clothes. Totally. And I feel like you embody so many different styles, which I love because it just is like so many different aspects of you and like different. Yeah, that's something I think. Yeah, that's come with time because I think that's yeah, I think that's what I'm learning is that like I don't that's why sometimes when I have to like characterize my style, it's kind of hard because it's like, <laughs> like it's so like aesthetic. Yeah, it's a lot of different things. And it's like bringing all those things together. But also like, you don't have to be one aesthetic, like, one day I'll wear like this type of like bomber jacket more very much more like street styly. And then like, maybe tomorrow I'll wear like a bright pink slip dress. Like, I just like the duality of that. And I like the fact that I can do all of those things. And it doesn't like, it doesn't have to make sense to other people. It makes sense to me. (laughs) Totally. It just reminds me of like celebrating everybody. Totally. Yeah. And that's another thing that I love about living here. It's like constant inspiration. So I will just walk around and see people wearing the coolest outfits and all these people are so different, but they'll all kind of, I'll kind of take a piece of all of them with me yeah Uh, love okay switching gears a little bit I really wanted to talk about relationships you and Grant have been together for years since college right how long have you guys been together what's the date right now (laughs) yeah it's been five and a half years amazing what was your like dating history like before Grant I so I had you know like middle school boyfriends yeah when I'm serious boyfriends my first serious boyfriend was in high school I met him when I was 15 and we he was he was older than me he was a couple years older than me we had a really good relationship that ended very well on really good terms it ended just due to circumstances like he was older he went to college before I did he ended up going to school across the country while I was still on the east coast and in my mind it didn't make sense for six I was about six no I was about yeah I was about 16 17 by the time he left it didn't make sense for me at that age to pursue a long distance cross-country relationship so we basically dated while knowing the whole time that when he left we were going to break it off which in hindsight I think that was pretty healthy for like two like (laughs) teenage kids honestly there's definitely things I would have handled differently I think when things end well it's harder for you to kind of close a door so we kept in touch for a long time after that and I think that's where things got there was like a you know a bit more gray area when when we were keeping in touch but we weren't together so that was yeah one serious boyfriend and then definitely like some other little flings and things in between (laughs) flings here and there what would you say makes a good relationship number one and I mean everyone says this but everyone says this because it's the truth is communication I'm a really sensitive person and I'm also just very I'm very I pick up on a lot of things so if there's something that I'm feeling 
I've learned, this isn't something I've always known about myself. I've learned it, you know, as I've like matured, I need to just like get it off my chest. If something is bothering me, it gets worse if I just sit on it and let it stew. So um, especially in my relationship with Grant, that's something that we've been so, we've become so good at, at just like, something's bothering either one of us like let's just get it out there odds are it's it was never that deep anyway and then now that it's out there we can like talk about it and it's fine I think that I was just like really I don't know he was my first relationship in college so there were things that I was wary of when we met of just like you want to tread lightly you want the person to like think of you in a certain way you're still trying to impress them so I think in the beginning of a relationship communication is hard because you don't want to show that person every side of yourself like just yet but I mean yeah now it's at this point in time, we've definitely gotten good at that. And it's important. I think another thing that I've learned through seeing my friends relationships and other people in my life through just kind of watching their relationships. I think it's important for you guys to be it sounds cheesy, but like it's important for you guys to be a team. Yes. But at the same time, it's important for you guys to like have your independence as well. And I think that's something that I'm lucky. It kind of comes second nature in my job. It's a very social job. So there's a lot of things that, well, there's a lot of things that I go to and grants my plus one. And it's awesome that I can bring him. But then there's also a lot of things that I go to that I can't bring him to. So there's that distinct separation just built into what I do. And it's nice because we live together. We've been together for a long time. I think both of us having our independence, having our own friends, having our own things is just like important. So we don't, we're not always on top of each other. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I I think that is really important to be your own human and yeah. still live your own life and come together like with shared experiences. What is your favorite self-care activity? Ooh, I got, so, okay. I mean, this is like kind of a broad, there's a lot of things that fall under this umbrella, but during the pandemic, when we were still in school, it was my, well, yeah, it was my junior year um, when it was like peak pandemic. All of my classes were online. Everything was like really slow. Everyone left Santa Barbara because they all lived close by. I couldn't leave because I lived across the country. <laughs> so that was also a really cool time for me and Grant because we got to spend a lot of time together. We say now that that was like our like practice sort of living together because yeah. none of my friends were there. So I would just sleep at his place and most of his housemates were gone. So it was cool. We got to spend a lot more time together. But he was your year. Was he your year? He's a year above me. So okay, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So this was my junior year. He this was his senior year. Got it. Okay. So it was cool. We got to spend a lot of time together. And then like all of his grad fun celebrations came up and we got to do it all together. But it was a weird time. Well, obviously for all of us. And I wanted to find some new hobbies. I was just bored. My classes were like not very intense because I think they were trying to give us all a little break. And yeah. I got super into skincare. I just had used like the same products pretty much my whole life. I had pretty tricky skin. I feel like I I had like acne experiences like way before anybody else did. So I was really young when I first started getting a lot of acne and having some skin issues. So I started using like certain products when I was really young just to combat that. And they were very strong on the skin and just like had these like chemicals that were meant to like just kill out any blemishes but using that into my 20s was like not very healthy for my skin anymore because I didn't have those same like hormonal acne issues so I didn't need to be using things that were so strong 
anyway, that I had this epiphany during COVID. I was like, I've been using the same product since I was like 13 and now I'm 20. Like I should probably switch it up. So I went on this whole kick of like doing research, learning about like what all the different acids in different serums can do for your skin. Cause it's confusing. There's a lot of different chemicals and words and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to learn about all of this. So I did a bunch of research. You're um, so cute. I love you. Got rid of like all my old products and brought in new stuff. And I, it's something that I'm so interested in now. I think that's like my favorite form of self-care. If I don't go out is just like doing like my own, I guess like spa night. Like you do like a whole like face skin routine, do a mask. I have like the globes that you can put in the freezer. I just, yeah, I think that's something that's like therapeutic for me and it can be expensive. So why not do it yourself? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. And it's so fun. Just like going into your, like wearing your robe and like putting on some fun music and just like watching the show or whatever, like doing whatever you want to do like in your own home yeah I'm doing that too is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we finish up this episode I love this no I think it's really really cool just to talk about like to to kind of like the segue that we made to go from like talking about career and like just kind of the path that I've had going into like more you know relationships personal life and mindfulness I guess because I think that all of these things play into each other and I think that like a lot of the things we touched on about my relationship even outside of like my romantic relationships with Grant I think that all of those aspects are things that also helped me have helped me in my career and like there are so many different parts of my life that I'm like so grateful for right now but I think that all the other things that we just touched on kind of in the second segment those all intersect and go hand in hand with all the career things I've been talking about and all the people in my life you know I mentioned like mentors I've had career-wise but I think that everyone I've met in my life is a mentor as well whether you know a lot of my friends like I said don't work in fashion don't kind of do media jobs but I've totally taken stuff from them and brought that to my job experience, brought that to like how I approach the things that I do now that I live here. So yeah, I think it's cool to kind of talk about all those things in conjunction because I think they're all connected for sure. Yeah, it's all a part of what makes us human. And I think I think for a while I would focus so much on career and like money and stuff like that. And then I realized that it does all go hand in hand and that just focusing on just that also doesn't make me happy. And I think that's why when about the studs thing it's like when you're stuck it's not like okay how can you focus on your career and make more money it's like no it's like your body and your relationships and yourself that like is the foundation to it all so all of those things help build you up to be in a position where like you can accept things like that's another thing that I think I like it took me time to learn I had a I mean you know we talked about all the stuff that I get to do now and I'm So I feel really lucky to do all these things. But it also there was, you know, I I graduated, I went home, I spent a good amount of time at home just trying to find a place in this crazy industry. And it was not like the best time for me. I was upset. I felt like defeated. But there were so many opportunities that I was going for that didn't pan out. And I, you know, I, there's this like thing that people always say, kind of like motivational speaking that, you know, you things come your way when you're ready to receive them. And I don't think any of those things were right because I wasn't in the right headspace. I wasn't, you know, I was so focused on trying to get the job that I wanted that like a lot of my relationships were, you know, I was not spending as much time putting effort into like certain relationships in my life with family and with friends. So I think that everything panned out for me when it did, because all of those things were lined up as well. 
So yeah, it just, it's just, just wanted to reiterate what you just said. Like, I think, yeah, those are all like the foundational properties to kind of like set you up to be ready to receive the things that are like meant for you. Set yourself up to receive. I think that's so amazing the way that you said that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Focus on yourself first and the rest will follow. Totally. Thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on the podcast. This conversation was so great. I learned so much. I loved even learning more about you and just getting to know you on a deeper level. Didn't know that you had such a passion for skincare too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. And- yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so, I mean, like I have seen what you're doing too. And I've seen that you're, you know, you've launched this podcast and I think you're such an easy person to talk to. So it made so much sense to me when I saw you doing this and I was so happy when you asked me to come on. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening to Feelings State of Mind. Any and all feedback is welcome. Feel free to email me at feelings.stateofmind at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at feelings.stateofmind. While you're at it, follow the pod on Instagram. If you enjoyed the episode, share this episode on your socials or with someone who you think would benefit from listening to that episode. If you'd like to donate to support the pod, you can click on the link at the bottom of the show description. If you're loving Feeling State of Mind podcast, please rate, review, and click the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for all your support, lovers, and remember, it's cool to feel.